0: Welcome to Mostly Books Meets, we're the team at Mostly Books, an award-winning independent bookshop in Abingdon. In this podcast series we'll be speaking to authors, journalists, poets and a range of professionals from the world of publishing. We'll be asking about the books that are special to them, from childhood favourites to the book that changed their life and we hope you'll join us for the journey. In the podcast this week I'm speaking to Poppy O'Toole. Poppy spent the last decade in professional kitchens and after being made redundant due to Covid last year she's found a passion for teaching others via social media. Her educational and entertaining content has amassed over 1.5 million followers and gives us access to the skills she's learned from restaurants to inspire and teach people how to cook. In her debut cookbook, Poppy Cooks The Food You Need, Poppy offers a cookbook with no judgment Instead she covers twelve go-to skills that everyone needs to know and then uses them as a base for a whole host of delicious recipes. Poppy,
1: welcome to Most Secrets Me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know what's really bizarre is that you just said like 1.5 million followers, which is a ridiculous amount, but since this press thing has gone out, we're now at 1.7 and I'm like, oh my oh god, my how goodness. has that got to that point? Sorry. That was me just like How's that changed in such a short amount of time? I swear it wasn't that long ago that I was going through this to make sure all the things were right. Oh, that's really weird. Sorry.
0: Amazing. (laughs) No, don't apologize. But you know, the fact that, like you say, the publicity information that we get sent doesn't get distributed that far in advance. So that just goes to show how much stuff is just bumping (laughs) up. But you know, and also rightly deserved. I absolutely love your content. I think it's hilarious. I think that the way you communicate with people is fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. And also just you make things look really straightforward. I'm a terrible cook and so I want to talk to you more about it <laughs> um, but let's let's start off like I do with all my guests if you don't mind we'll go right back to your childhood and we'll work up where you are today yeah so
1: let's talk about your childhood where did you grow up and what was life like for you so I grew up in a place called well you know what it really sounds stupid it sounds like I don't know where I live but I always class myself as a brummie but really I grew up in a place called Bromsgrove which is in Worcestershire but my family all broke like I'm a brummie but I'm also actually lived on the outskirts and also near Redditch. So basically, I'm going to say in Birmingham to make it nice and simple. And a bit of countryside in there, a bit of, you know, everything, bit of town, bit of city, bit of country bumpkin all at the same time, really. Do you have brothers and sisters? Not when I was growing up, actually. My mum was a single mum because my dad passed away when I was younger. So it was just us for quite a while. And then I think I was about... 13 when my little brother came along so was a big age gap but I'm so happy I've got a little brother and little sister now as well oh that's so nice almost like
0: called auntie status but in sister
1: form yeah like because I'm living in London at the minute they came down for the bit of their summer holidays and they were like you're so cool and I was like no am I tell me again (laughs) (laughs) say more things like that that's great (laughs) (laughs) did you read a lot as a child I was read to a lot actually my grandmother was a good reader so she used to read to me a lot when I was younger but for me I was more about being in the garden and being covered in mud (laughs) that kind of child up a tree somewhere so it wasn't for me actually I kind of discovered that I enjoyed reading a little bit later in life. When did you discover it? It was starting to commute in London actually and seeing people reading I was like you know what what am I doing? I'm just gonna sit here and stare at other people reading. I'll, I'll pick up a book and then I kind of got a little bit addicted and was like book after book after book and then you know life sometimes gets in the way a little bit so I calmed down a bit now but for the past few years I've been enjoying a good book or two. I can totally relate to that. I lived in London for the best part 10 years myself and that was definitely
0: my time mm-hmm. and I think because now I live in a place where if I commute I have to drive and i really actually miss being on a train or on the tube or the bus because actually it's so lovely it's like dedicated time that you can have for yourself it is
1: it's your extra you know half an hour or 40 minutes or what it is just to yourself completely Mm -hmm. before anything happens or before you're going home and you can do with it what you will at one time i got addicted to the switch as well so that was my thing i'd be on like a (laughs) game as well so do the book or the switch (laughs) What kind of books do you
0: enjoy reading when you do read?:
1: I like fictiony thrillery sort of things. Mm-hmm. Nothing too scary because I believe them too heavily. <laughs> I didn't know I had such an imagination until I started reading books, and I was like, "Oh my God, I actually think I'm these people, like I'm living my life as these people now, so I can't read anything too scary because I do genuinely think that I'm going to get killed if I do." So it's kind of more like whimsically thrillery, romanticy. I don't know what that kind of genre is, but I feel like there is one because I always accidentally pick it up. <laughs> There's a couple of things. So, thrillers, yes, yeah,
0: so you can get kind of light hearted thrillers. Well, not light hearted thrillers, that sounds very wrong, but Cozy Cry oh
1: love that that's, that's good,
0: good. But also there's this whole genre called uplit which i absolutely love which is kind of the books that are really well written but they just make you feel good at the end of the day you know they're not yeah. going to break your brains they're not too complex but equally they're really beautifully written and have really good stories so it's one of my favorite
1: genres i really like it for a bit of escapism just to get away from see it. now i know the terms i know what i can go and look for now whereas normally i'm like oh that's a pretty book <laughs> that'll do <laughs>
0: And that's where bookshops come in, you Yes. Yeah. Come <laughs> in, speak to the bookseller, we can help. So going back to your childhood, so you obviously went through school and you took your A-levels, but your A-levels didn't quite go
1: according to plan, did they? Well, I mean, GCSE and A-levels didn't go well for me at all, really. I am not now learning how I learn. I'm not someone who can pick up textbooks and read from a screen and understand anything that goes, I can't do it. So my GCSEs, I managed to pass. I don't know how, but we got there. And I was very proud of all my C's and D's. I was like, yes, I've done it. And then I wanted to go to college and I wanted to do something else. But my mom was like, look, I think because you don't know what you want to do. Stay at the sixth form at school and just stay put with all your friends and stay where you are. And I was like, mm-hmm. OK, fine, mom." <laughs> so stayed. And I... Very much like reading a book when I was younger, I can't finish anything. I cannot finish it. So I did about 75% of all of my courses. Like I did all text and everything so that I wouldn't have to sit in exams and do all this stuff. But then I just couldn't finish it. I just had this like mental barrier. Of, I'm like, I'm done now. That's it. I've had enough. Yeah. So I left with one. I think I got a D in (laughs) catering or food technology or whatever it was. And the rest of them, business failed. Sociology dropped out after the first year. But catering, I did get a D. But I don't know how. I think one of the teachers must have gone, she needs to pass something. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that you, because the reason I knew about that
0: was on your Instagram feed, this A-level results day this year, you posted a really lovely post about the fact that you didn't get your grades, but you know, something happened and, and look at where you are now. You didn't yeah. get quite worded like that. But I thought it was a really brilliant post and really inspirational. I also didn't get the A-level grades I was expecting. I did <laughs> At the end, I ended up getting to uni, but you know, I had that horrible day where you just don't feel like all that work you've done is, is really kind of come to fruition. Yeah. So I, I do understand that. But it's um, what's really interesting about you and your journey is that that, Although obviously wasn't ideal at the time, ended up probably being quite a
1: good thing in terms of what ended up happening next. So, so what did happen next? Tell us about your apprenticeship. So, yes. So, at the time of doing my A levels, was doing two jobs because I just I think I realised that I didn't want to be in school anymore. Like I think if I'd actually thought about it, I probably would have just left and gone and worked. But you know, even though I gave up at the end, I didn't want to give up all the way. So <laughs> so I was working and I was working in a pub and I was just about got into the kitchen in the pub. And I was like, okay, well, I'm really enjoying this actually. And then I saw this apprenticeship come up. Now being 17, 18 at the time, I was like, oh, well, everyone's gone to uni, all my friends. I'm going to be a bit old for this apprenticeship. I thought they were like 16 year olds. And I thought, you know, we'll just do it. Just apply. Just have a go. Let's see what happens. And I managed to get this apprenticeship in a Michelin starred restaurant. Now we did about it was about 12 weeks of training we had to get whittled down from 20 to like two to get this apprenticeship it was a bit right. of like a pre kind of competition thing and I didn't get picked and I was like oh wow this oh. is good this is really good and then the head chef was like actually I want Poppy as well I need her as a wild card oh my goodness and I was like yes I've got in I've managed to do it and I was the only one who actually stayed in the end <laughs> so I was there for three and a half years after mm-hmm. so That was where I realized, actually, I'm not as thick as what I thought I was. I did genuinely, because teachers and people say like, oh, you're not doing this. You're not getting the grades. Where are you going to go in life? What are you going to do? And I remember being sat in sixth form offices, just crying, being like, I don't know. Who the hell at 16 knows what on earth they're going to do? I didn't. No, I agree. Even though I loved cooking, I didn't know this was going to be what was going to happen. And... It made me feel like, oh my God, I can put all these things that I actually do know and I've learned just off watching my family cook, watching people cook on screen, learning little bits. You know, even though I failed it, I did learn some stuff whilst I was there. I just couldn't put it into writing after. And actually being able to put that into practice, it was like a light bulb went off and Mm. everything kind of clicked and the dots were getting joined together. And I was like, I can do this. This is something I can actually do and I'm good at it. So it was a really good moment to get those things joining And to be like, I'm accomplishing something. I'm doing something here. And that was when I realised I'm just a practical learner. I just need to be shown things a few times. And I need to have that confidence behind me to be like, you can do it. Go on, Mm -hmm. do, cook, do the thing. So... That was where it all kind of started, I suppose. It's so true, though. I talk about this quite
0: a lot, actually, in terms of what happens in schools and how people make those decisions at such a young Or being asked to make decisions at such a young age. Yeah. I've got a stepson, he's 19, and he's gone to university. But actually, his route to get there wasn't kind of what he expected and he didn't get the grades he wanted and yeah there's lots of ups and downs but and there was a lot of lack of confidence around whether or not he thought you know it was the right place for him to be and he was not the only person I just used him as an example he'll probably kill but I've talked to him about it a lot because it's like just because you learn in a different way that isn't necessarily the traditional sit at a school with your book and yeah. your pen, then it doesn't mean that you haven't got intelligence in a different way. It's just a different way of learning. Mm-hmm. What I love is about your story is the fact that you had that opportunity and, and to go into an apprenticeship in a mission-style restaurant, I mean, what an amazing opportunity as a starting point. Yeah, super lucky. Yeah absolutely and look at what's happened. So you did that for three and a half years and then what happened?
1: So then it was a, kind of a rule of thumb there that you meant to leave after two years and I just hang on. I hung on with like <laughs> grit like please I don't want to go anywhere else. So I was actually you know eventually it was like I do need to expand otherwise I'm only going to know this mm-hmm. and every day in cooking is a learning experience. i learn learned loads of things every day just scrolling through and TikTok. so mm-hmm. It was like, right, I need to move on. So I went to another place in Birmingham called The Wilderness, which was more experimental. There was like ants on the desserts. Like it was very out there. Oh you know what? Surprisingly delicious. Bit of a lemony taste of the ant. They're lovely. Um, but very <laughs> odd. Very much like splat the sauce on the plate. And there was a very small team. It was only like four or five of us. And we were allowed to create a bit more and get onto the menu and put our little dishes in and our ideas. So then I was there for a year and a half or two years, near about. And... After that, I was like, oh, I've been working. Like, I've seen all my friends go to uni. They're all living their lives, partying, having fun. And I was like, I'm 23 and I don't have weekends off. I don't have evenings off. I never really see them. When I do see them, I'm leaving work at one o'clock in the morning and they're lining up shots for me to catch up. Like <laughs> it's not like a healthy friendship that they're just playing with me with alcohol. So I was looking for jobs anywhere that did less hours or had weekends off. And in Birmingham, there was just nothing at all. So I looked in London and found a job in a bank, which is client dining. So it's like the fine dining area of the bank. So it's when all the clients come in who are all very important from all around the world, we do their free four course meals for them. So so I said that and it was Monday to Friday weekends off yes it was most evenings off unless we had some function going on and it was a chance for me to kind of again open another little box it was a different kind of cooking I hadn't really done a la carte cooking I'd only done these taster menus in these restaurants so a la carte cooking new menus every few months and being creative again and then I was promoted there to a junior sous chef so that's kind of like you are kind of running the kitchen if the sous chef isn't there and if the head chef isn't there you're like the third <laughs> or fourth down really so I was there for two years again or one and a half can I just ask you very quickly yeah, because uh, this just
0: that I find this fascinating because I used to work in finance that was my previous life oh, yeah. before I owned a bookshop and I remember the very first time I came on the graduate scheme and they did this thing where they brought a load of us in and took us to the client dining for one day like it was it was (laughs) like a marketing experience where they (laughs) made out this is what it's like all the time and literally never went there again (laughs) (laughs) it's totally fascinating and I always found it so interesting what the kitchens must have been like there because like you say it's such a different environment isn't it I mean it's in the offices but it's yeah I mean it's not like the rest of the office it's like a whole other like suite that
1: you go into yeah it was like the kitchens were fantastic like they had all the new kit everything Mm -hmm. was like pristine and if the clients want to come in and walk in the kitchen you need to be ready like if they want to come and walk around and see where their food's been prepared you get ready and it was like oh god trying to do my hair and trying to make sure I look proper and it was all very slick like it had to be you know orders were in 15 minutes before they were going to sit down so everything had to be perfectly timed it had to be perfect and these clients would not be shy if they weren't happy like if there was something a little bit out of place or they didn't like the way something looked they would in a second say it and then you start getting told off you're like I don't know I'm just (laughs) doing the dish I was supposed to do really good fun I'm making it sound very very stressful it was really lovely because I still had weekends and evenings off so I've got to go home and walk my dogs at the end of the evening but (laughs) it was a whole different environment I think we would do some big corporate events as well and there was three kitchens throughout this whole bank so there was like the staff dining Mm -hmm. kitchen for everybody and then there was the more like banquety kitchen. And then there was the client dining on top. And that was like, you're at the top of this building, all these windows and everything. It's all very posh. Very posh. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> I didn't fit in there one bit. They thought I was hilarious. i would come through the kitchen. I'd be like, all right. Like, Sorry, I'm, I'm very important. And I'd be like, yeah, lovely to meet you, Ron. Really nice. Yeah, have a nice have lunch. Some food. You have some food. <laughs> yeah, go ch- go sit down. I'll bring you your luncheon. <laughs>
0: so how did you get from there to where you are now because right so for people that don't know let's talk social media so as i said to you i just this makes me sound really old but i just don't get tiktok at all and i get <laughs> that you i just don't get it i
1: just don't understand it that was um, me about a year ago so i understand fully. okay
0: good this is good this feel too bad. but i'm fascinated to know how you went from working in a corporate kitchen
1: in a bank to doing the kind of content that you do now how did that happen So there was one more job in between, which was a female members club. But that was still where we end this story, basically. I was still doing what I was doing. So COVID happened. I didn't have TikTok. I had Instagram, but had about a thousand followers, just colleagues, friends, and a few foodie people. Mm -hmm. Didn't really think much of it. Thought, well, this is fun. This is quite nice to put your occasional cake on. And basically, we all got taken into a room at my old work, and they were like... We're going to be closed for a few weeks, so everyone is made redundant. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Oh, so no furlough? No, like, This was before furlough. This was before furlough. Oh, wow. So I was on the tube home, like, do you know how expensive it is to live in London? What am I (laughs) going to do? Like, what on earth am I going to do? I was very lucky my partner was still working from home, but we were all right. And it had about a week where there was no furlough. That was, like, not a thing. And very luckily, they did put us all back on the books, and they put us on furlough for a few months. Until I did eventually actually get the chop completely. <laughs> but for that first week I was like, Mom, <laughs> come pick us up. Like, can we come back home for a little bit? So we went back to Birmingham. I was literally thinking I was probably going to be back and work in about three weeks. I thought, oh, we'll be back soon. What an innocent woman I was back then. <laughs> I know. But we all thought that, didn't we? I remember
0: that in our shop because we closed our doors, obviously, and we were like, well, it'll probably be a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. And then yeah. like, where are we now? We're in August <laughs> and we're still feeling the effects, aren't we? It's just, yeah, exactly. it's bonkers, isn't it? It but is
1: yeah, bonkers.
0: None of us could have ever anticipated. No.
1: no. So I went back home and I'd already heard about TikTok. I've heard a bit of Musical.ly, what it was before and stuff like that. And my little brother and sister were there just like scroll, scroll, <laughs> scroll, scroll, scroll. And I was like, oh. I'm a bit bored, but a week in, I was like, I'm really bored. I don't know if I can sit here. I've been used to doing 70 hours a week. I want to do something. Like, Mm. there's nothing else that I can do but cook. I can't help key workers. I can't be there doing any nursing. I can't do that. So, I basically thought, well, if I'm going to be cooking at home all the time and actually showing my family that I can cook, they've never eaten my food before. I've never had a chance. So, I was like, I'll just record some of the videos. And some of the early videos are really really quite embarrassing but we learn and we grow and we progress and I just did you know just some basic videos I did like a tomato sauce and some churros and little bits that I just kind of were cooking with my little brother and sister and recorded them and they just started getting quite good views like a thousand views and I was like oh my god this is really good and I actually really liked TikTok because it was anonymous Mm -hmm. in the less creepy way possible (laughs) I haven't got my friends on there who can take the piss out of me or I haven't got like old colleagues going, oh, why the hell is she making this? Yeah. It's a bit changed a little bit now. I mean, <laughs> nowhere to <laughs> hide know you're anymore. on there now. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so it was just a hobby for a little while mm-hmm. uh, just to do something. And then I started getting really nice comments from key workers being like, oh, this sauce was really quick and easy, it really saved a family meal after doing a 14-hour shift or whatever. And I was like, it wasn't just a thing to do anymore. It was actually helping people. And then that kind of really ignited a passion for it. And it was just really lovely to see these comments and how it was helping people and how even just entertaining people for downtime when we had nothing else to do. So it was really lovely. Yeah, I mean it's amazing, isn't it? Because it's for you. I mean, I just—I was laughing then because
0: you were like, "Oh, I just did a simple tomato sauce." Like to me, honestly, I can't tell you <laughs> how terrible I am at cooking. I mean, I can probably make four things, and they're all mint-based. So I can do you know spag bol, lasagna. That's that's fine. But a basic tomato sauce for pasta, I can never do it, and it tastes good. So I am going to try that one that I saw you, you just kind of did it all really quickly with garlic oil and tomato. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try it, but. You know, I think the thing that people who clearly can cook really, (laughs) I was going to say underestimate, is just how people like me, it's such a foreign entity. So what you do, which I think is very clever, is you break it down into such a simple way that it just doesn't feel too intimidating. So I think it works really, really, really well.
1: Yeah. And that's something that I've always tried to bring across because I have... The experience. I have worked in kitchens, and I have had to teach people from the bottom up as well. Mm-hmm. I've also been in that position where I've known nothing and walked in and had to ask. So I like to think that I can bring that across and bring a little bit of knowledge and bring my not expertise. Well, I suppose it is it? I don't know how to. I guess I hate <laughs> sounding big headed, but expertise to I it or that's fair. anything, and being able to put that in the simplest terms so that someone can replicate it is one of my favourite things to do. I like to make sure everyone can just get involved and have a go. Yeah. And your obsession with potatoes makes me laugh a lot. It's becoming a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I've got about five boxes of potatoes just for making content, just getting ready for it, just waiting.
0: <laughs> oh, you said it where the flat that I'm recording this in. I've just literally walked past. There's a whole box of potatoes out the front of it with a sign saying, please help yourself. So I should go and grab some and I'm start drinking. it. <laughs>
1: recipes on my instagram go and check them out
0: <laughs> there's the one that i i died to try out which is the um 15 or 17 ab yeah it? the 15, 15 ab potato. oh my yeah, goodness
1: like off the scale it is off the scale you know what i'm seeing them pop up everywhere now in restaurants and i'm like yes yes <laughs> everybody's making their potato paves do it they're delicious
0: so in September, your book Poppy Cooks
1: is coming out. That's so exciting! How did that come about? I don't know. <laughs> it still baffles me. So I basically just got an email one day. I think it was around this time last year, and I nearly wet myself. Um, <laughs> like, oh my god, there's a publishers that have messaged me because I still can't quite believe all the things that happen to me. It's very bizarre. And I was screaming around the house, like, what am I going to do? How do I reply to this? And it was Bloomsbury. They asked if I'd ever thought about writing a book. And I was actually like, you know what, secretly, yeah, I have I've always thought about it. Like, that's always oh, been. Yeah, I've always just, I think I'm obsessed with TV cooking shows. I'm obsessed with cookbooks. Me and my nan would sit and watch cooking shows whilst we we're reading cookbooks. Like, we were just obsessed with it all. So it's always been thought about. But, you know, you go through life, things happen. You don't really concentrate on it too much. I never thought I'd have the opportunity to write a cookbook, but it came around thankfully, and I'm so excited for it. And I just kind of put the proposal forward and it went bigger than I could have imagined genuinely. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be Bloomsbury like, oh, it's a small umbrella part of Bloomsbury that just do like cookbooks for chefs and stuff, and I was like, yeah, no worries. And then I put the proposal in and <laughs> The woman that I was speaking to, Holly, she was like, I've put this forward to the head of cookery at Bloomsbury. And I was like, uh, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, uh, like hyperventilating. I was like, yeah, no worries, that's absolutely fine. And it's gone so much bigger than I could have expected. I think because I've always thought about the concept of the book and it's more of like a learning tool sort of thing, which I'm sure we'll probably speak about in a second but i'm getting too excited about it basically. <laughs> no no go ahead that's exactly where i was going next
0: because like you say, like we said i was saying the introduction so the structure of the book is you've got 12 go-to recipes like the yeah. core stuff and then for each of them you've got is it three different categories four four
1: so you've got like the staple dish the brunch dish the potato dish and yeah. the fancy af dish so for me as a chef Sometimes even I open a cookbook and go, <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> step one to step four. I'm like, ah, what? Okay, fine. And I can just about get it. Not for all of them. Most of them are absolutely fine. But I just wanted it to be a tool. I didn't want it to be a book that you open once, make one dish, and it goes back on your shelf. Mm-hmm. I want it to be the messy book that gets ripped up, written on, and like, this is my go-to. Yeah. So it's for everybody, whether you're a novice cook, a student, someone who's never picked up a pan before in their life. It's just about getting people involved and just no judgment. Who cares if you make a mistake? But here's some tips and tricks and tools that I use every day in my just home cooking. These are just meals that I enjoy eating at home. And it's not, I mean, I get the fancy AF part. There's a bit fancy, a bit more effort, but it's not fancy. It's not like intimidatingly difficult to do. It's just things that I find delicious. And that's what I wanted to bring through to it. And that's something I always wanted to do when thinking about a cookbook just because I want it to be out continuously like on someone's Mm. work surface like that brings me joy and the thought of it I mean yeah it will get put in a bookcase at some point which is fine but I want it to be a bit messy when it gets there I want some (laughs) old tomato sauce on the corner like it needs to have a little bit rough around the edges and that's what I want to achieve with it so 12 core recipes we have three dessert chapters and nine savory chapters So a few examples, you've got like a tomato sauce chapter, you've got a white sauce chapter, you've got a emulsions chapter. So just how to make a mayonnaise. If you're ever in need of making a mayonnaise, this is how you can do it. Or a hollandaise sauce. In the desserts, you've got like pastry, you've got custard. And those are just some examples. Also, like one of my favorite chapters is confit garlic, which that's kind of like a reflection from TikTok is that people were asking me how to make it. So I was like, oh, well, I'll give you a whole chapter in the book on how to make it and what you can use it in. So for example, for the confit garlic one, you get this core recipe of how to do a confit garlic, like Mm -hmm. just in oil, very simple. Then you get a staple dish, which is this greens pesto pasta, something that you've probably had before, but you're going to make your own pesto using that confit garlic you're gonna mm-hmm. get your pasta nice and al dente all those sort of things those little tips in there then it goes on to a brunch dish which is actually one of my favorites which is confit garlicky mushrooms on toast oh, mm. that sounds lovely one of my faves again these are all just things that I like to eat and then it goes mm. into a potato dish which is gnocchi with garlic and brown butter just really simple bit of sage nothing too scary nothing too intimidating and then it goes into fancy af which is this Garlic prawns, because I love Spanish food. So garlicky prawns with the comfy garlic and this polenta, like really creamy polenta, which Mm -hmm. is something people don't use very often in the UK. So it's nice to bring a different kind of ingredient in as well. So that's the kind of premise of the whole book. And even the potato dishes go into the desserts as well. Oh, really? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Can't wait. So,
0: I mean, it's really great. It's a really good idea. And like I say, for people like me that are not massive cooks, I think it sounds like the perfect cookbook. Now, I always have this theory, and often I talk about it in terms of fiction or nonfiction books, but for you, I've got to ask the question in terms of a cookbook. I have a theory that everyone has a book that they read at some point in their life that inspired them and had some kind of influence
1: on them. Did you ever have a book like that? And if so, what was it? Yeah, my mom had basically every Gordon Ramsay cookbook that there ever was. And my favourite one is called Fast Food. It's quite an old one. It's back from early 2000s. And I've nicked it off her. She doesn't know I've got it. so. <laughs>
0: she
1: uh, <does> <laughs> so it's laid out a little bit differently. It's kind of like in meals or like dinners almost. And that was kind of like, oh I could make all of this really easily that was when I was younger I was like oh this is delicious there's like some lemon sticky chicken and and just really simple but delicious things and it was all written out it's all over the place but all very concise at the same time and that's Mm. one of my favorite books and I use that on a very regular basis as well just for inspiration so you mentioned earlier you started working in a pub and you kind of went into the kitchen and discovered you quite enjoyed it.
0: Did you cook when you were younger than that? Did you cook as a child or were you just someone that kind of discovered it as you were a teenager?
1: No, I always cooked. Mm-hmm. My mum actually tells me a story, which I can mildly remember. I say mildly remember, I was about 11 or 12, so I wasn't that young, but young enough to be left alone for half an hour. So she popped <laughs> out half an hour and came back and I was there deep frying calamari. I mean, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> who genuinely did, like what on earth was I thinking about she was like how why have you got the deep fat fryer out why are you cooking like what on earth and I was like I just fancied some calamari I thought you were gonna say I made a cake you know I think with the flowers everywhere but no 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 deep fried no. calamari I was <laughs> a kid well, oh, my mom oh, she's funny she does love me for it but it's probably quite embarrassed I used to go to restaurants Whenever we went out, and they say, "Is there anything you don't like?" and I'd say to people, "I don't like white asparagus, <laughs> and I don't like <laughs> razor clams." Who the hell do I think I am? Genuinely, who on earth do I think I am to go in as a child? And say, I don't like razor clams. Where was I eating to get? That's what I mean. I watched so much cooking shows that I knew what these things were. And I used to go into school with like a pomegranate, and people would be like, "Oh my god, what is that?" and I'd be like, it's "Just a pomegranate. Yeah, just eating it." <laughs> I just loved, I just love ingredients and food and I'm obsessed with going past butchers and like fishmongers and everything. I'll just watch, I could sit and watch people fillet things, which is a bit sadistic, is that the wrong word? A bit weird really, <laughs> to want to watch people cut meat. But that's what I always did as a kid and always wanted to be around it.
0: That's brilliant. It's so lovely and inspiring to hear of something that, you know, you always enjoyed when you were younger and now you're mm. actually doing it and doing it for a living. So I'm also fascinated with the whole kind of social media thing. And um, so how does it work? I mean, because obviously you've got a huge following. Do you now plan your content in advance or are you still quite impulsive? Do you have particular days where you record? How do you do it?
1: I wish I had a better strategy and a better way of doing it because it's quite manic I try, I try, I try and try and try to have days set aside to do it, but stuff gets in the way, or I just sometimes I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird because I was so good at work, if that makes sense. I would be on time to work, and I'd be there at seven o'clock in the morning. And I'd work and work and work, and there'd be no problem. But doing it for myself, I find it more difficult because I'm yeah. I'm allowed to get away with more things. So I'm a little bit impulsive. I like to sit down and think about what's in season, what's trending, what's looking good right now, what are people seeing? So kind of get a brief idea. And then the best way that I've found that I actually cook is when I'm just doing it. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh, have I made that before? Is that something someone else has done? Am I doing it? And I actually find it easier if I just go for it with a brief outline of ingredients. Mm -hmm. When it comes to potato content... (laughs) That is me just doing the potatoes that I enjoy eating the most. So most of my food does come from what I like to eat and how I like to eat. Lots of lemon, lots of salt, lots of fat, (laughs) lots of potatoes. It's great.
0: Uh, Your mashed potato recipe inspired me when you were like, you need to put them in the cold water with loads of salt. I was like, oh, God, okay, I'll do that. (laughs) Lesson learned. (laughs) So obviously the book's out in September and this is a whole new thing for you because it's the publishing world and you'll be doing lots of this kind of thing, talking to people about your book. Do you know what's on the horizon after that or are you just kind of riding the wave at the moment and seeing what happens?
1: Riding the wave, I think. I know that I want to write another book. Because I did thoroughly enjoy it. And the turnaround was so quick on this book. And it was just so much fun. I was like cooking the meals, food styling them, and also writing the other half of the book at the same time. Like it was just like, ah! And I think I love that kind of panic. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I think I've been so used to being in these pressure situations. I thrive off it and enjoy it. So... I would love to possibly get another book in at some point. If it goes, I mean, fingers crossed, it all goes well. And it sells a couple of copies would be great. And I know there's a few things with like the PR and the book, and I will be making an appearance on telly at some point, which is very exciting. Very scary, but very exciting. I hope mm-hmm. I don't get as sweaty as I am now whilst I'm doing it. <laughs> you did that on YouTube the other day, didn't you? You were on some YouTube thing and you put a photo up and you were like, this photo doesn't show how sweaty I am. <laughs> like, I, lo- I love how real you are. Genuinely, <laughs> I was in a studio for one of the hottest days of the year. No fans, no aircon, and cooking and I was like, why have you done this to me? Why has everybody done this to me? People don't understand how much I sweat. It's disgusting. <laughs> and it all comes from my forehead. I'm not sweating anywhere else. It's just my forehead. It drips. <laughs> I was doing Taste of London. Again, middle of summer. I don't know why do people want to eat outside in the summer? It's not a good time for me at all. In a tent. And I was like, "I'm so sorry, guys. I'm gonna have to go and just splash my face because there are <laughs> drips of sweat going into my mashed potato. It's not working out for me." Everyone accepted it and thought it was okay, but it is wrong. It's definitely wrong. <laughs> it's disgusting but yes so hopefully maybe a TV appearance I think there is definitely one whether there's going to be more we'll see oh that's fantastic well I really hope it goes
0: well the book is so much fun and this has been an absolute blast cheers and you know I I highly recommend anyone that hasn't already checked out your Instagram because that's what I follow but you know
1: if you want just pure videos Mm -hmm. then TikTok if you want a little bit of also me trying to look nice in pictures then you can do Instagram as well which you know sweaty (laughs) sweaty sweaty mess (laughs) No, I'm going to leave it there and that's a
0: delightful soundbite we should put on the promo (laughs) oh Poppy thank you so much it's been absolutely lovely talking to you I really appreciate you taking your time out and I really wish you all the best of your book
1: oh no thank you for having me I've thoroughly enjoyed it it's been great thank you all
0: of the books mentioned during the podcast are available to buy from the Mostly Books website this podcast has been presented and produced by members of the team at Mostly Books in Abingdon if you enjoyed what you heard Please rate, review and subscribe because apparently it helps people find us.